coming up, an Arab and a Jew working for peace. But first, welcome to Imagine Peace, the podcast that invites you on a transformative journey toward a world filled with harmony and understanding. Together, let's ignite the flame of peace within ourselves and radiate it outward so we can have a future where unity prevails. This is Imagine Peace, where dreams become reality. Join us as we explore the power of compassion, the beauty of diversity, and the potential for positive change. Welcome to Imagine Peace, brought to you by 10 Million for World Peace. I'm Marveth Dunn, founder and director, and today we have a couple of amazing people. I know you're going to love them. Qatar Al Alawi is a non-traditional peace builder and conscious leader who consults with organizations to transform human dynamics and systems. She's an award-winning consultant and best-selling author of Unfolding Peace, Nine Leadership Principles to Create Cultures of Well-Being, Belonging, and Peace. And we have David Savage, a teacher of empathy and emotional intelligence. He does performance art under the moniker Empath. He lives in the Hudson Valley and is writing a very simple book about healing from trauma. I am so thrilled to have you both here with me today. Welcome. Thank you, Marpa. So nice to I meet you. It's so lovely to meet you, really. I'm so thrilled to have you here. And I was really hoping you were going to come on. So tell me about what you both are doing. Um, well, we have a we have a dear mutual friend named Andy, Andy Swindler, who had the intuition that it would be a good idea if Katara and I talked in some deep way uh, about the conflicts in Israel-Palestine, and we separately were a yes before we'd met. And then what evolved through that were these conversations, isn't quite the right word, but it's the best we've got. We'll call it embodied conversations or embodied dialogues. We've done two big ones now online. And what we've been doing is being with each one of us at a time, what this conflict is bringing up for us um, within the context largely of our identities, me as an American Jew and Qatar as an Arab Muslim from Morocco. And um, I hold space for her experience. She holds space for mine. And we grow through the tension together publicly. That's That's been the work. Yeah, I, I had the opportunity to watch one of I think it was your second session, and it was very, very moving. It really touched me profoundly, and I would love to see, I'd love to see conciliation between Arabs and Jews. I'd love to see the peace project. It's really what I'm all about. Um, so, um, what is your vision for for your work? Well, I think it's like you said, Marbeth, it is about conciliation and even taking it deeper into healing. Um, both of us have healed the trauma in our own respective identities. And that, that allows us to sit together in these difficult conversations because we do speak truth to each other. We, we do hold tension uh, with care. Uh, we create the space to transform conflict. Uh, but 
the, the conflict out there is much larger and it's multi-layered. And so the vision is really to create spaces um, where this conversation can be more available, to even make it visible, to change the conversation from war to healing and to peace. Uh, and so to make this conversation mainstream, make it visible and the spaces of healing available together. Okay. Now, now you both are trained facilitators of the work that you did in the video, but most people are not, you know, and so you would, I guess, hold the space for leaders. How, how do you envision that happening? Well, I'll take that one, David, if that's okay. Please. Yeah, one of it. the th Thank you. One of the things I loved Marbeth when David and I met is that we didn't know each other before. Um, and often there's this perception that you need to have deep trust and know people before you can dive into these difficult conversations. I've always held the view that it's about skills and a shared desire to see each other's humanity. And so coming together with David and not having known each other before, uh, but having both done our work respectively and learned the skills kind of validates that. And so I think all it is, is about creating spaces where we can transfer the basic skills uh, and finding enough people who are willing to sit in detention with heart uh, and spiritual depth and intention. And when that happens, magic unfolds. Nothing is impossible anymore from there. Yes, but you have to, you have to want to have the peace in order to have the discussion. If you don't want the peace, I don't think the discussion would really be um, viable. Do you think? No, but I think there's a whole lot of people, the pe people who don't want peace, trying to have a conversation about how to make peace is not going to be largely an effective strategy. But there are plenty of people who want peace, but are having the wrong conversation. Um, even, even when we think about peace, we're often thinking about it in diplomatic terms. Right. Like, you know, articles about how do we make peace usually involve powerful men flying around the world, meeting with other powerful men to figure out how best to make decisions on behalf of many, many less powerful people. And that's our working model for how to make peace. And it's obviously wrong. It's obviously wrong. And it's obviously perpetuation of the problem that leads to the wars to begin with. And so if we can start reframing peace, the peace process as a healing process and not as a political process, like more a spiritual process than a diplomatic process, we'll be having the right conversation and better to have the right conversation badly, which is what I think we need to start doing, than to have the wrong conversation exquisitely well which is what most people who work in these fields do. Beautifully said. Um, I didn't mention earlier, I was telling you about our 10 million for world peace project. We're focusing on world leaders and we're, we're coming from the, the field of unified consciousness with the, with the vision of world peace and the leaders on all different levels so that they can move into a collaborative space. So I really love that your your concept also. Yeah, I love that, Marbeth. Um, in my work, I talk about the four levels of cultural transformation, which is 
which essentially translates to David's work in terms of when he talks of a culture of healing. Um, and I think we both recognize it's both a top-down and a bottom-up approach. We can't just do this one way. And so it's about working with leaders at the top, but also working with populations. And then at some point, they're both going to merge, right? The consciousness at some point, it's going to become a consciousness of peace instead of a consciousness of war. I love it. I really love it. I love what you're doing. It's so great. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what have you two learned from your sessions together? I think my deepest learning personally is that healing is possible. It may not be easy or simple, but I've certainly seen that it's possible. Um, I truly believe that we can heal this conflict in two generations if we are intentional uh, and we, we have, again, a holistic approach. Um, and my learning is also, which has been a surprise, is that there's a lot of energy for this work right now. There are a lot of people who are hurting and who are done hurting, uh, who have tried the old approach and see that it's not working. And I think they're ready to step into something different. They just may not know how. And I think that's where we're ready to meet them. David, what are your thoughts? Um, a lot of my learning, I've learned some of what Qatar has shared. And also a lot of my learning has been around my side of the equation and really feeling, not just conceptually knowing, but really feeling how the Jewish trauma body prevents me, like literally prevents me from seeing what is happening to Arabs and to Palestinians. Like it's like a, I can feel it actually happening. And it's, it's nice in the abstract to say, like, we understand that, that hurt people hurt people or trauma creates blind spots, but actually in the work Qatar and I were doing together, it's like, oh, as I'm tuning into the horrors that happened to my grandparents and great grandparents, I literally don't care about what's happening to Palestinians. I literally don't care. And I can see that. Um, and another thing that I've been learning and Qatar is helping me to see this more clearly is like what I just did right there is really powerful like owning my shadow, owning that there is a part of me that doesn't care about the suffering of the Palestinians. Like that's so, you rarely, if ever, hear anyone say that from a compassionate place. You're going to have, you know, right-leaning people who, with genocidal intentions who will say that. But, you know, left of center all the way to radical left have trouble owning their shadow aspects that are perpetuating the conflict. And so it feels really powerful for me to own that and be like, hey, yeah, I do ultimately care about the suffering of Palestinians. I do ultimately want this war to end now, but there's a part of me that's in the toxic cycle too. And until I own that name that and share that in community, it perpetuates. Sure, because you know it's it's that, that feeling of victimhood that's been uh, carried down, I guess, in your DNA, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, no, I totally understand that. But it's beautiful. So when you own it, then what do you do? Well, it relaxes. It relaxes in me. And then it makes space in our conversation. It literally made space once I felt held in it for Qatar to say things like, how dare you fail to see the pain you're causing? 
And it's like, oh, now I have space for Qatar and the identities she's associated with. She has space for me. And I think that in itself makes a shift. Like, I think shifting those energies is a lot. Yes. And, huge. Huge. and people in the space feel that. Mm -hmm. I can feel it. Yeah. yeah, I can feel that. Of course, I know that you are an empath, David. I am too. <laughs> Many of us are. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So very cool. I, I love I really love the work that you're doing. I know that a lot of people are going to look at your work and say, yeah, but I'm not there. I don't have those skills. I can't do that. So what would you say to them? Well, I would start with saying there is no there. All there is ever in life is the here and now. And uh, I firmly believe in doing things the messy way and giving each other forgiveness and care, uh, even in the messiness. Uh, I would say that if you have an intention to truly learn, if you're willing to be stretched, um, and you're willing to hear hard truths, then step in, be messy, be imperfect, um, hold yourself with both kindness and accountability, and you can't fail from there. I would love to see this happening really in the United States. With all of the diverse factions that are involved in spewing so much hatred. But, you know, I think that that the majority of people are more centrist. And, you know, it's just these two radical um, left and right that are creating a lot of ruckus, you know, thanks to social mm -hmm. media. But I think that that I really think your guys are onto something and I'd love to see it expand now into something much greater. So, Thank you. <laughs> so, do you, so you, do you think that world peace is possible? I personally think that it's inevitable with the consciousness shifts that we're witnessing, uh, with the multiple pockets of, again, consciousness and awareness and just spiritual openness that's happening. Um, I think it's just a matter of time. No, oh, that's beautiful. David, what are your thoughts? Maybe tentative agreement, but not with as much clarity as Qatar has. I guess it does feel inevitable to me, but I wonder at what cost. Like how how many drinks does the alcoholic have to have? How many relationships have to be ruined? How many times does he have to pass out before he wakes up and says, I'm not drinking anymore? And to me, the equivalent is like, how long do we have to pretend that we can solve these problems at the level of the mind? How long are we going to pretend that our political and economic systems might ever work? Like, can we, st when, when do we stop pretending? That's the alcohol. And when do we yeah. have the moment of, oh my God, there are deeper and truer forces at work. And the only way we're going to get to a more beautiful world is if we acknowledge those forces and work with them instead of against them. And it's going to hurt a lot. Like Katar and I are able to listen to each other and hear each other because we've listened to ourselves and hurt ourselves in really deep, painful ways. And healing tends to suck a lot at first. It does. So, yeah. It's also yeah. the matter of projection where you're projecting your issues and your hatred for yourself on other people. 
and that I think is a large part to of what's involved right now too. Maybe that's that's before the healing starts, and then eventually you're like, oh, it's not so much that you suck; it's that I'm angry at you, and it's not even so much that I'm angry at you; it's that I'm angry at my dad. And then you're like, oh, it's not so much that I'm angry at my dad; it's that my dad hurt me, and it's not so much that my dad hurt me; it's that I'm afraid of feeling all the pain. From not having a father who loved me the way I needed. And now I'm finally ready to feel that pain. I feel that pain. I process the pain. I ask for help in processing pain I can't hold. Slowly but surely, I reconcile my inner experience with my outer one. And now I no longer think you suck. I think you're hurting too. And I have space now to hold you because I just went through my own process. I know. But, it, you know, that type of healing can take a long time. Is there how, how long? You know, do you think that people need or are willing to give of themselves in order to do that? I think you're pretty. I actually accepted. don't think that's the right pro that that that's not to me that that's not quite the right question. I think everything shifts when the culture shifts mm. and the need to belong is the most powerful energy that operates. And if I create a system where if you make enough money, everyone loves you. And if you don't, you're a loser. Everyone will shift into that system if it is normal. But if we have a different system where if you get in touch with yourself and hold yourself and hold others through difficult stuff with love and care, and that becomes normalized, it could be instantaneous. It's like more of a frequency shift. And what do we need to get to that frequency shift? Then to me, it is like an individual healing process. I love it. So I'm going to shift our questioning a little bit because uh, we're all about um, meditating for world peace. That's why we are 10 million for world peace. We want our, our goal is to gather 10 million or more people together, you know, just in short meditations. In, um, in 2018, I, I woke up one morning and just a basic download of you're going to lead a world peace meditation experiment in two weeks. And I was pretty shocked about that because that was not anything. I, I lived um, five blocks from Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School when they had the massacre there on Valentine's Day in 2018. And this was about two months later. And as an empath, you know, I definitely had a lot of um, reactions to everything that happened. But um, anyway, I did, I started this meditation and I focused on the Middle East because it seemed like the place and I knew that we could get independent statistics. The level of violence over the six months of our meditation dropped over 20%. And you know, so that was pretty exciting. Do you have any thoughts about where meditation might figure in your process? And I don't have any thoughts specifically, but I certainly believe in the power of meditation. Um, I, I have heard of many studies similar to what you shared, Marbeth. So um, I think there's a lot of power there uh, and we definitely need to use all the tools that we can. Um, but David, I'm, I'm curious, do you have any specific thoughts about meditation in our process? I look at our process as a meditative process in a way to the extent that meditation is the art of bringing yourself back to the present moment. Mm -hmm. So healing, yeah. healing and connection happens through embodied present experience. Maybe that's a little too generic of an answer. Other than that, I think it really helps to take a beat 
and center yourself before doing hard work. Mm -hmm. Very true. And I think also, you know, what you said really wasn't that generic because it is important <laughs> to bring ourselves into the present moment where there is no past. There is no future right here and now. <clears throat> so tell me about your favorite peace practices. My favorite peace practice is meeting the tension where it is and meeting it with heart and with openness to learn and grow. Uh, and in some ways it's meditation, the way that David described it, meeting, uh, uh, meeting uh, shadow work in action. Oh, that's very cool. David, what about you? Mm. Getting curious about why the other hates. Huh. Like hatred is such a, easy energy to banish like oh they just hate us as if that's the end of the story or even like they hate us for who we are and it's like that actually isn't true because if they really fully knew who you were they wouldn't actually hate you they hate you for who they think they are there's something going on deep inside them that is causing the hatred and it's part of these, and they're these like deep dialogues we're in. So like, even when I think about the Middle East and I think about so many of my Jewish friends who will say things like they just hate us. And I'm like, they don't just hate us. Like, why do they hate us? Can we really get still and interested in that question? And do you hate them? Why do you hate them? Um, yeah, so turning like hatred into an opportunity for curiosity and compassion feels like the the alchemy that I'm most excited about. I love it. I really do. How can people get in touch with you guys? Well, uh, there is a web page that I sent you the link for, Marbeth, that they can find us at, and it's uh, healtogether.space. And they can find us there. They can get in touch with us. That's wonderful. Healtogether.space. Well, Thank you guys so very much. This was wonderful. I could really go on and talk with you guys for hours because I'm just really so heartfelt about what you're doing. I love it. So thank you so very much for being here. And Thank uh, you for having us. Yeah, thank you, Randy, for connecting us. Thank you, Marbeth, for having us. Imagine Peace is brought to you by 10 Million for World Peace. Join our daily seven-minute guided meditations for world peace and monthly healing circles at 10millionforworldpeace.org. Together we can create a peaceful, happy planet.